alone. Bring it back. Welcome to the Endurance Town USA Project. This podcast, along with our blogs, vlogs, and adventure team, travel around the USA both creating and sharing the stories of human beings, changing lives, and communities through endurance sports and outdoor adventure. Follow us by subscribing today to reconnect and rediscover your own why as we explore the people and the places that make the endurance lifestyle where we call home. This is Endurance Town USA. Bring it back. Hey, good morning, Corey. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? Awesome. So Samantha and Corey, awesome Waltering. The most <laughs> awesome Waltering there is. Right, on Endurance Town USA podcast today. And we're here to have a conversation about who is Corey besides the athlete that we know now, besides the athlete human being who's out crushing it, FKTs and all the amazing things. I love that that is who you are, and I know you really embrace every ounce of that as your being, but we really want with our guests to kind of convey and help the world understand who they are outside of that sports realm as well. Yeah. So if you don't mind, if you will entertain me just a little <laughs> bit, can we go back a little bit and I can find out you know, where you were born and what your life looked like growing up and so forth? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Let's get at it. Where were you born? Uh, I was born in Ottawa, Illinois, a town of about 18,000 people in north central Illinois. Aren't you still living there? Uh, yeah, I'm actually back <laughs> in my are? hometown. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know you were born there as born well. Born and raised, and yeah, okay. now I'm back. Tell us a little bit about the family. Uh, so I was adopted um, at birth, basically. Um, and so really just like super kind of awesome. Um, my parents, Lynn and Jerry, uh, they were just super supportive parents of, you know, whatever I wanted to do. Um, and they're basically just like, if you're going to do it, then just be good at it. Wow. And so like my mom was always very much like, I want you to get good grades. Um, like she always pushed like the arts and music type of thing. Whereas my dad was like, you know, like you're, you're a pretty smart kid. So he kind of pushed more towards like the engineering type of thing. Um, and sports, he's just like, great. Like if you're going to do it, like be great at it. Wow. Okay. So fired up parenting. <laughs> yeah. Um, which was awesome. Um, but it's kind of funny because that ended up kind of, I guess I'd say that it almost like, I don't want to say it pushed me into a lot of things, but like, I always wanted to do things for the experience of it. And so because of that, like I was in soccer, cross country, swim team, track, cheerleading. I played baseball. Um, and then I was in fine arts club, arts club, chess club. I was in student How council. How the hell did you find time for this? Uh, you know, I would basically get to school at about 6 a.m. every day and I'd come home at like 8 p.m. Wow. And so I was at school for about 14 hours a day, you know, with just clubs and practices and everything. And then, like, my parents would have dinner ready for me at, like, 8 p.m. when I'm getting home. And then I'd do my homework, and then I'd go to bed and wake up and do it all over again. And it's hilarious because I'm not a morning person now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> like, I remember, like, uh, 5, 6 a.m., you know, swim team practices, cheerleading, sure. all that stuff. And I'm just like, how did I do that? Yeah, how did you like, do that? I, well, your parents yeah. were, like, next level. Yes, and the thing <laughs> is, though, it's like, but the thing was, it's like, if I wanted to do these sports or these clubs, then I still had to get good grades. Oh, okay. so like I still had to get A's or B's. Like if I got a C, that was unacceptable. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Okay. What age did this all start? Uh, probably more in like the junior high area. Um, before that, like I played baseball and swim team, um, and just kind of, I mean, I played baseball for eight years maybe, um, and loved it, but Mm -hmm. that just wasn't necessarily my passion. Like I'd show up late for baseball practice so that I could run. Sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Because apparently. Please make me run. Because apparently running was a punishment and I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, totally. So were you an only child? I was. Okay. Yeah. These parents were invested. Yes. Okay, Lynn and Jerry yep. crushed it. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, and it's funny because like being an only child, like they still wouldn't just give me things. I had to work for it. And mm-hmm. so they're like, if you want it, like you're going to have to work for it. Mm. Um, like my first job, I was working at a veterinarian clinic. Um, like cleaning. How old is this? I probably wasn't even legal to work at that point. Okay. Um, because like in sixth grade, we got to go do like a job shadow day or whatever. So like I wanted to shadow a veterinarian and the vet, Dr. Aronson, um, <laughs> he was really awesome, but like he let me go in and watch the surgeries and like all this fun stuff. And I was like, oh my goodness, I love this. You're in sixth grade doing this? Yes. Nice. And so I loved it. So then my first job, like it was probably going from eighth grade going into freshman year I think so I think I was only like 14 but I was working at the vet's office wow yeah sweet I loved it shoveling poop all the things cleaning kennels (laughs) shoveling poop walking the dogs like Uh sitting in on surgeries like it was really fun did you think you wanted to be a vet or what was that exploration about for you um just I don't know I think it was either a vet or something in the medical field just because like I loved like the surgery aspect of it. Hmm. And then all through high school and you had to take like biology and anatomy and all that stuff. Um, Like I was always great at dissections. Mm -hmm. And so like, I just always thought that maybe I'd go into something in that field, but I did not. Mm -hmm. Now you dissect races. Yeah, there you go. Right. And dissect your training and all these other things. Oh yeah. Oh, I love it. So you got into sports pretty young. I know you were like relatively serious by the time you hit junior high. Was that also at your parents sort of fostering or was that just coming out of you naturally? That was just me. Like my parents are like, you know, focus on the school grades, all that stuff. And they're like, you know, sports, like they're like, you know, it's like realistically, most people will never go pro in a sport. So they're like, don't like focus on that, like focus on just academics and stuff. And so mm-hmm. uh, they never pushed me in a sport. They never like forced me to do anything. Um, they're supportive of it, but they're like, this is we were not going to push it. Mm-hmm. Well, so you were adopted by Lynn and Jerry. Were they longtime Ottawa family? Yep. What's What's their background? Yep. Ottawa. Raised? Yep. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So there's a whole like extended family there? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Still to this day? Yep. To this day. Like uh, the clan is there. They're yep. like, true. what are they doing? What are they about? Uh, they're all there. Like my mom's brother lives in town and then her sister lives like three hours down the road. Oh, cool. Um, and yeah. And like That's my so grandparents cool. are there. Cousins are there. Just everybody is there. So wow. uh, it's very Midwestern. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But that's awesome, you know, because there's a value system that comes with that kind of upbringing that is becoming more and more rare, unfortunately. Totally. Right. That family connection, that really close vibe around understanding what your relatives are doing and being involved in their life yeah. activities. You know, they probably came to your ball games and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Did oh, your own yeah. cheering squad over there. Oh, 
Absolutely. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So you get to junior high, you're getting more involved in sports, and then obviously in high school, same kind of thing. Was there any, for you as a human being, any rough patches along the journey being in this small town? Did you feel like this is just where you belonged? Um, I guess that's an interesting question because, like, I look back on it and I can't really think of a lot of, like, rough patches that would have happened in, like, junior high or high school. Growing up sucks. Um, well, and it's it's funny because, <laughs> like, a lot of people say that and I'm like, I don't know, did it? Like, oh, that's um, great. Yeah, and so I guess, like, I was one of the very few, like, black kids in our school. Okay. Uh, like, our town is was very white. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I think maybe, of, we'll just say our high school of, you know, 1600 students, like there are maybe, maybe 20 African Americans in our, in our school. Okay. Um, but like for me, like I never really noticed it. Cause I mean, that's just what I grew up in, you know, like sure. I grew up in a very white town. And so, uh, for me, it just seemed normal. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I don't really ever remember like instances of like, racism or like being bullied for you know being black or being different or whatever um and so like I don't know I think that growing up was actually probably pretty easy for me are your parents black uh they're white they're white yep okay and but like I honestly like they probably noticed things like as I was growing up and I'm sure that people said things to them whether we were just out at a store or a restaurant or whatever mm -hmm. but like I don't remember that mm -hmm. um and so I don't know I'm also really good at just like taking negative things and spinning it into something positive. And so like, I think that even when you were younger, that was a thing. Huh? Yeah. Wow. And so like, I, I guess I just don't really remember it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I had a really good group of friends in high school that I'm still good friends with now. Um, just teammates, friends, all of it, teachers, even like some of my teachers have added me on Facebook and they're like, we're just mm. so proud of you and all you've done. And, um, it's just really awesome. Like it's, the town is very supportive of um, just people in general, but especially like athletes. Hometown heroes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which is again Midwestern. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, but also good parenting. Yeah. Good family. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Roots and all that kind of stuff. That's absolutely. Cool. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like it's just I don't know. Like growing up was actually really fun. I think it was really fun. I love it. Well, also you. We're doing all these things. So a little bit of creative, a little bit of physical with the sports, you know, socially involved in different aspects of schooling and family and all that kind of stuff. So you were just finding your way, exploring. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So that's obviously a big part of who you are as a person. Try all the things. Yep. Okay, if I like it, we're going to continue doing it. And if you didn't, was it okay to switch gears? Everyone supported you in that transition. If you said, I hate baseball, I'm going to go do this track thing or whatever. Um, so our rule was if you start something, you have to finish it. Oh. So like even if I was having just an awful baseball season or an awful track season, like you're still sticking it out till the end. Got it. And so like that's uh, that's just how it was. And I was like there are times where I was like, oh, I really am not enjoying this or that or whatever. And they're like, cool, but you still have to do it. Oh, work ethic tenacity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so like, sounds just, like an ultra. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> this sucks. Yeah. That's nice. So like, Keep just going. Put, put your head down and grind it out, you know? Um, uh -huh. And so like mm -hmm. there are multiple times when they're like, cool. Like you do realize that you're doing like way too many activities right now. And they're like probably like halfway through the school year. 
you're going to be like, why am I doing all this? Are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, oh yeah, it will be fine. And multiple years I did have those things where I'm like, if I could just drop like one activity, like my life would be so much easier. They're like, you started it, so you're going to finish. Wow. And there's been, you know, in the last generation or so, sort of a different way of parenting that's evolved where the parents are scheduling all the things for the kids. It's not really that the kid was even interested in that activity necessarily. Sure. And it's completely sort of a reverse experience, right? Like you're going to try all the things and, and here you were just your, your way of being in the world, your personality is that curios, curiosity, curious, you know, inquisitive, yep. try all things guy. Yeah. I don't know that it's always a good thing, but you know, I'll, I'll try anything once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll see what happens after that. <laughs> yeah. So you graduate from high school mm -hmm. and you went to college. Yep. Where'd you go to college? Uh, Greenville College, which is a small, like, private Christian college. Mm -hmm. My mom, my aunt, and my uncle all went there, so I was just kind of expected to go there mm -hmm. um, and ran track and field and cross country for them. Uh, I was actually going to try to play soccer for them, but my senior year I got three concussions. Um, Doing what? Playing soccer. Oh, shoot. And so, uh, yeah, I was a little monster on the soccer field, and so uh, I was targeted by multiple teams to just kind of take me out, which they did. <laughs> and uh, I don't blame them for it because I probably yeah. terrorized them enough over the previous three years. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the doctor is like, you can't play soccer for a year. Like, we need to let your head heal, all that stuff. So then running just kind of became the thing I was going to do in college. Yeah. So you signed on to run with them? Uh, yeah, but I went on an academic scholarship. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And what were you studying? Uh, so I thought I wanted to be a PE teacher oh. and then thought I wanted to be a biology teacher. Okay. And then ended up just studying biology. Okay. Okay. And... You finished and graduated from there? Uh, yeah, I'm done. Okay. So, yeah. And you ran there, but you also dabbled in triathlon while you were in college? Yes. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of crossover there. Yep. Um, because I was injured all the time. From running? Yeah. Oh, what kind of injuries? Just uh, Stress fractures. Uh -huh. I've had, I had like six stress fractures in a four-year period. Whoa. Yeah, starting my junior year of high school and through my sophomore year of college. Okay. So, like, I was forced to go back to my swimming roots, and then I was like, well, if I know how to run and I know how to swim, mm -hmm. I should probably just buy a bike. Mm -hmm. And so I bought my first bike for, like, I don't know, 100 bucks or something like that, and was like, I'm going to do an Olympic distance triathlon, mm -hmm. and did one and loved it, mm -hmm. and was like, hmm, okay, I think that this is going to be my path forward. What would, give me a date rate. Was this, what year was this roughly? This would have been my sophomore year of college that I bought the bike. So okay. that would have been maybe 2010. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, no, 2009, like fall, summer of 2009, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you got caught up in that big insurgence of triathlon. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Wasn't yep. it a thing? I know. <laughs> a lot of us fell prey to that. Totally. And it, it was, was also, fun. Yeah. And mm -hmm. like Olympic distance and sprint distance nationals, they were in like Milwaukee. And so like made it super easy for me to want to qualify and then go race them because it's close to home. I could drive to it, like all that stuff. So yeah, actually, I guess that would have been a little bit later when nationals were there. Um, probably 2012. Okay. So the competitive side of you is coming out at this point or much 
earlier. So competitive nature evolved in junior high or high school or not till college when you really saw the opportunity? Uh, probably even before junior high. Like Really? And yeah. And I mean, it was like any sport I did, I wanted to be the best, you know, Crush like everyone. Yep. So like <laughs> in baseball, I wanted to make like the all-stars team, you know, but I could never make all-stars because I'd go away to summer camp. And so I'd miss like two weeks or whatever. And I was always like, crushed that I could never make the all-stars team and then like in swimming I just wasn't great at swimming but I'm like you know what I'll just I'll still do it it's gonna be fun I'll get better um soccer like I played varsity soccer all four years varsity yeah varsity soccer varsity cross country varsity track and field um and cheerleading what on earth yeah I mean so I'm super curious now what where did this come from uh, this is an intense thread of competitiveness at a very young age and not just like in one aspect of your life. Yeah. Like Corey's like a GSD <laughs> next level. So what, where'd this come from? I have no idea. Like, I just like, I'm someone that like, if I put a minute on the microwave, I like to see how many things I can get done in that minute. <laughs> as before the timer goes <laughs> off. Like it's awesome. It's literally like little things like that. And it's funny because like, I feel like I live my life at like a level three all the time where I'm like, I'm Switzerland. I'm neutral on most things. Like I'm super relaxed. I'm super chill. But then you put a stopwatch on something and it's like, go. And so I just, I don't know where that came from. Mm-hmm. But like, even in band, like I was first chair saxophone for multiple band. things. Like I made jazz band all four years of high school. Like I was what? in marching band, like all of it. Mm-hmm. And so I have no idea where it came from though. Do you still play? Uh, no, I do have my clarinet. I don't have my saxophone anymore. Okay. And you did cheer. You've got some groove. Like, uh, you must have some jams back there on top of everything. Else. Yeah. I mean, I was a great tumbler. Uh-huh. Sweet. Yeah. So that's just who you are. You were just born that way. You were yeah. just, you know, which is so magical. You know, like so many people have to curate it and nurture it and foster it and work it and work it and work it, you know, all the discipline and the drive and all the things. It's such a big conversation in, especially in the world today where yeah. everything is so damn comfortable and easy and all the stuff, right? We have to like push to explore our edges and being willing to put ourselves in positions of discomfort, challenge and so forth. You just innately did that. Yep. <laughs> and so sometimes I'm like, hmm, like, Maybe I shouldn't put myself in such uncomfortable situations that time. I'm like, like sometimes I'm like, can I just be a little more normal? (laughs) Well, I don't know that that's not normal, right? So it's definitely normal for you. And it's such an incredibly valuable asset for a human being that, no, please do not damper or tamper that in any way, shape or form. (laughs) I won't. And who knows, you'll be 80 at some point, like sitting on the porch in the rocking chair, drinking the beer or whatever. And it'll be like game on still. Yep. Something will be you on know you. it. At what point transitioning out of college, or maybe this transpired in college, did you get an idea about the vision for your life as an adult? Like, at what point did you say, this is what I need to be doing with my life in the adulting sort of way? Yeah. Uh, you know, I still don't know that I fully know that. Um, and it's interesting because, like, out of college, I... Uh, moved from like Southern Illinois, where my college was, to Boulder oh. um, because I you wanted to get to beca- high at altitude. Yep, I'm like I want to become a professional triathlete. So mm-hmm. where's the place to go? Boulder, Boulder. Like here we go. And we love you, Boulder. But yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> and so it's funny because I moved there, 
And I was supposed to be working at a running store called Shoes and Brews, where basically they have a running uh, store on one side, then they have a tap room on the other side. This is magic. I must go there. Absolutely. Okay. It's an amazing store. They are actually like one of my first sponsors ever. We need to and, go there. And I worked for them, but they weren't open when I moved to Colorado and they weren't going to be opening for like six weeks. So my first six weeks in Colorado, I took a job in construction. And no I worked, way. yep, I worked, hat. yep, <laughs> I kid you not. I worked this construction awesome. for eight to 10 hours a day. And then I was still training for worlds for the half Ironman at that point. But now so, you were building guns. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was building strength, but oh my goodness. Yeah. Like I was exhausted every day. Like I would come home from work and yeah. honestly just be like, oh, like I'm going to eat dinner. I'm going to go out for a run and then I'm going to bed and I'd be sleeping by like 8 p.m but I had to be up at five for master's swim class. Mm. So like, that's just how my life was, but totally loved it. Then worked at Shoes and Brews for a little bit and they were new at the time. And unfortunately they had to let everyone go after like two months just cause like they weren't getting enough traction in there. So they just had their family members working. Mm. So here I am in Boulder, um, like not even training for triathlon at this point. Cause I had just given up on it um, at Afterworlds as like, I'm totally done. I'm gonna focus on trail running. So, um, here I am, like, you know, I moved and thought like, this is what I want to do with my life. And now I don't have a job. I'm not even doing what I thought I was going to do with my life. And, uh, I'm in Boulder and it's expensive to live here. How old were you? Uh, 20, 23. Okay. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, cool. Started a dog running business. A dog running business? Yep. I would go to your house, pick up your dog, run with your dog for 45 minutes, and then drop your dog back off at the house. Okay, this is brilliant. What was the name of your dog running business? I didn't have a a name. I just did it. Swagger. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it was just super funny. And, like, it worked, though. Uh And so, like, that's what I did. And I did that for a bit. And then I finally, uh, a friend needed a pacer for Leadville. And I'm like, what the hell is Leadville? And he's like, the Leadville 100, like, you don't know about this? I'm like, no. So I went up and paced and fell in love with Leadville. And the best part about this is I'm in Boulder still, um, about a little bit after Halloween that year. And I go to a bar and I meet this dude that's like, hey, you know, I live in Leadville. I'm like, oh my God, I love Leadville. Like I was just up there and he's like, well, we have extra rooms in the house if you want to move. And I'm like, great. No way. So I moved to Leadville on December 1st of 2014. Every trail and ultra runner's dream. <laughs> yep. You're like, okay. And it's like, as I drove up to Leadville in the winter, like the snow was piled like six feet high on the sides of the roads wow, wow. and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. So lived yeah. in Leadville and found a job in Vail. So I did the 37 mile commute down the mountain every morning and then back up at night. Uh, and I was working at Wild Bills selling cowboy hats <laughs> and I loved it. Oh my gosh. Are you secretly a cowboy? Uh, I have. Multi- Is it a thing? I mean, I have multiple cowboy hats and boots. So no chaps. Nope. Oh, we got to work on that. Assless chaps. Of no, course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But yeah, like it was just so funny though. Like that's what I was doing. And I absolutely loved that job. And they were amazing to work for because they'd give me, you know, 40 hours a week, but they'd do like four 10 hour days. Mm-hmm. Then I'd have three days off and then wow. they'd give me four days off. And so I'd have like seven days off in a row that I could just go like down to Boulder and train in the winter and then come back up. And like, it was perfect. Mm. And this whole time that you were making these choices and putting yourself, you were 
very conscientiously putting yourself in these positions for training being at, you know, the forefront of your life. Yeah. You were going towards what goal? What was the vision of that moment? Um, I wanted to qualify for the Olympic trials for the marathon. Oh, Um, and like, I just was not going to get there. Like my first marathon I ran 237 and then my next marathon I ran 228 and then 226. But like going from 226 down to 219 or 218, whatever it was at the time was just like, I did not like living in Leadville. You just can't get that foot speed to actually make it happen. And so I think that I always had the lungs for it, but I just didn't have the legs. Mm. And so like, that was the goal. And like, I even wrote back in like one of my training logs back in like early college days, it's like, I want to qualify for the Olympic trials in the 10 K yet. I had never even run a 10 K at that point. And, uh, (laughs) like, I was like, I want to do this. And then like, just over the years, I realized like the 10 K was not going to be anything that would be my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought the marathon would, but even that, like, that just didn't happen. And I'm more than fine with that. Oh, absolutely. Your life is going in a whole other trajectory. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but like, you kept running. Yeah. Because, like, I always thought, you know, it could happen. Sure. Like, I'm, like you, you, it's not going to happen if you don't try. Right. But mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it's, it's totally okay. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you stay in Colorado? Uh, ended up getting engaged and then married. And so, uh, where did you meet this beautiful human? Uh, so Tom is actually from Ottawa, Illinois also. Did you uh, already know each other before uh, you left? Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. So it's Tom. really funny because <laughs> it's really funny because he actually lived in Colorado for like 13 years and then moved back to Illinois as his family was getting older. And as he's moving back to Illinois, I was getting ready to move to Colorado. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And so it's funny because like he's like, like we knew each other and just had kind of explored it a little bit. And he's like, should like, should this be a thing? And I'm like, nope, don't ever talk to me again. I'm moving to Colorado. Like I'm not staying in Illinois for a man. Like goodbye. Yeah. And it was hilarious uh, because then we still kept on talking anyway. And like I was actually I had moved from Leadville down to Vegas uh, when I was like going all in on this marathon. And I was like, great, I'm at sea level, I'm training here, I'm going to be here for the winter, it's going to be great. And Tom flew out to Vegas uh, after we had been like, basically long distance dating for a year or so. Um, And he proposed. And it was just really funny because... Were you shocked? I was, because he was like super excited when he got off the plane. So like, (laughs) he's like... He saw the Elvis chapels. It's a thing. Well, it was funny though, because... I thought we were going skydiving because he is a professional skydiver. So I'm oh, like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Got to hang out. Yeah. Okay. But I was like, this is going to be amazing, though. Yeah. Like, we're going skydiving. And like, I'm going to see the Hoover Dam. I'm going to see, you know, like Red Rock and like all this stuff. It's going to be amazing. And then he proposes, and I was just like, like he goes, "Will you marry me?" And I was like, "So we're not going skydiving?" <laughs> and he's like, what? "No. Why would you think that we're going skydiving?" And I'm like. Cause you're super excited. Like that's, you get excited about skydiving and like, mm-hmm. and he's like, will you answer the question? And like, no, will you answer my question? We're not going skydiving. Oh my gosh. I thought you were going to say proposed in midair. No. And he's just like, no, we're not going skydiving. I'm like, yeah, I'll marry you, but I'm still like upset now that we're not going skydiving. I still want my skydiving. <laughs> and it was just super funny because he's like, I don't know how you ever came up with that. And like, why wouldn't I come up with that? Like that, that seems logical to me. Oh, um, so anyway, it was just really funny. Um, 
So then we were engaged. And the best part about this is like, but I had, you were living in Vegas. Yes. And he's back in Illinois. Mm -hmm. And the best part about this is like, I hadn't come out to anyone at this point. So Wait a minute, you're engaged to be married mm -hmm. to a man, obviously. Yep. And nobody you're not out. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Fun fact. <laughs> Surprise. Yep. So, um, it was funny cause we went and picked out like an engagement ring and there we go. And it was just really funny because I was like, Oh, like now that I'm engaged, like I actually have to like come out mm -hmm. if you want. But yeah. And like, this is going to be very interesting. Well, if you're going to send out wedding announcements, you might want to. Exactly. Because like the wedding was going to be that following July. So I'm like, Oh, I really have to do this. But at that time, like I didn't have any major sponsors mm -hmm. and I was like, I don't know if this is going to affect sponsorship. Like um, I wasn't like a great trail runner. Uh, actually, I was pretty good, I would say. Own but it. but it was like I just I didn't know like the races I had to go to to be able to like try to pick up sponsors. And I didn't know like the ins and out of the industry. Mm. And I'm like, hmm, like, I don't know if this is going to affect sponsorship or not. Um, and so I was like, okay, like we can, we can deal with this, but I just, I don't really know how it's going to go. Um, and then I was like, and I have to come out to family and friends and like all of it. So I came out to family and it went pretty okay. okay. Um, and then came out to friends and they're all just like, yeah, we've known for like forever. And I'm like, how did you know? And they're like, come on. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, they love you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I did not actually fully come out to like everybody until 2016, uh, the week of Valentine's Day, I was racing the Birmingham Marathon and like Tom was going with me and the race was actually on Valentine's Day. So uh, I came out like on Tuesday of the, that week or whatever. Publicly? And, yep. Just put it on social media and basically took a picture of my hand with my ring on it and like I'm engaged to a man and we're getting married in July. And I think like two people deleted me off social media. Other than that, like everyone is like, great. We're so happy for you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes. wait, this isn't, this wasn't a bigger deal. I'm like, mm. I was like, I'm slightly upset that it wasn't a bigger <laughs> deal, you know? Upset. And people are like, what are we supposed to like throw you a coming out party or something? And I'm like, well, yes. <laughs> I was like, you absolutely. Bring the cowboy hats. Um, yeah. And so it was just really funny. Cause I'm like, huh, well that's fine. You know, like all good there. And then, like, sponsorship stuff, like, started happening later that year. And okay. just, like, you know, it actually is a great thing. But I ran my PR in the marathon by eight minutes that weekend. You were fired up. Yep. So, like, it was all good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But it was just, like, this really, like, weird couple months where it's, like, uh, we got engaged in, you know, October. And then I still went home for Thanksgiving, but, like, took my engagement ring off. Uh, Did you? Yeah. Because, oh. like, I hadn't told them yet. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just like, hmm, like, yeah, just lots of lots of moving pieces in there that mm -hmm. I had to figure out. And now still it's a non-issue. Yeah, totally fine. Everybody loves Tom. Yeah. Skydiving Tom. I'm yeah. going to hang out with skydiving. Tom. Yeah, you should. I mean, you're pretty fun, but Tom sounds really fun. Yeah, you should hang out with him. OK. And you guys are living in Ottawa. Yeah. So you moved back yeah. to be with him and get married. Yeah, Okay. I did. Yeah. Yeah, and you travel a lot, so yeah, I sure do. to be clear, but maybe that's not 
at that moment what you thought might be happening with your life? No. And like I was, I mean, I had like two years that I was basically like just in Ottawa and would just leave for like a weekend to race and then to come race, back. To race, and yeah. like that was definitely hard to get used to after being out in Colorado and Vegas and like yeah. all that. Um, just because, I mean, Ottawa is also, it's a town of 18,000 people. Mm -hmm. And yes, Leadville, Leadville is, you know, only 2,000 people, mm -hmm. but you're in the mountains. Whereas like Boulder, Vegas, they're just bigger. There's more stuff going on. Um, and like as a kid, Ottawa was like always the town that like you never wanted to come back to. Like everyone's trying to get out of it. But now it's like it's the place to be in like north central Illinois. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there's a resurgence, thank goodness, mm -hmm. to like old-fashioned values and to community and to small towns and all of the good things that come in those spaces. And so let's talk about community. I'd like to know where do you find community and how do you define community in your own life? Yeah, that is a really hard question, actually, because like mm -hmm. I'm on the road a lot. Yes. And so um, that can be really hard. Like luckily... Um, like with the North Face, for example, we have a team like town hall every Thursday. Where, every week? Yes, every week. And so like every Thursday at like 10 a.m., you, you know, we get on Zoom and there's like 85 of us that are on Zoom. And it's like storytelling and talking about what went on during the week or like accomplishments and stuff like that. So it's really awesome, um, which has been just great during times of like COVID when we can't see each other, right? but yet yeah. here we are. And so that's been really fun. Uh, Team Onyx that I raced uh, the Eco Challenge with, um, we have a call every other week where we all get on Zoom We're and chat. We're still hanging and out so, with those yeah. guys. And, and our team is growing. And so like we're awesome. bringing in, we have like our elite team, then we have like the ambassador team and athletes that are trying to go from like ambassador to the elite team. And like we're putting multiple field, uh, multiple teams together for adventure races around the country and even around the world, really. Um, so like we're racing Expedition Oregon. They have a race in Malaysia that they're going to do. I refuse to race in the jungle again. Um, <laughs> I don't blame you. Yep. Okay, um, we're going to have to talk more about this because I yeah. you know I'm working for uh, World Obstacles. So we definitely yeah. want to get with you guys. And absolutely. You. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Because like they, they're all about it. And we're doing like training camps together and um, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so like I find it that way. And then I just have a really good like friend system that like it's at this point, it's a lot of just like texting. Cause like I'm kind of over the whole FaceTime thing a bit. Um, but like we'll still FaceTime often or text almost daily. Mm -hmm. Um, just there is a lot of that. And then when I'm home, like I actually have a really great group of friends that I can actually see. Um, and even during COVID, like we've been, you know, putting lawn chairs out in the front yard and we're staying like 10 feet apart, but we'll have like our happy hour on the front lawns and stuff like that, yes. which has been really awesome. And then even for, I guess it was Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, it was warm enough. I wasn't home for Thanksgiving, so Christmas, but it was warm enough that like we had some people over, but like we were able to be inside, outside, stay distant and just really great to see uh, just people that we haven't been able to see in a long time because that's, I think it's really important and they have young kids and like, uh, for the kids, like I'm Gunkle Corey and Tom is <laughs> Gunkle Tom, you know, and like, that's awesome. And so it's just, it's really fun. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's really cool. And then the Chosky Endurance yeah. Collective community, which you're a coach of. So yeah. On top of everything else, you're coaching other athletes. Why did you decide to work with other athletes? 
Um, honestly, like I think that coaching is more fun than racing. Like mm-hmm. I enjoy watching other people do well. Um, and I love being able to support them, whether it's, you know, building a training plan for them or crewing them or pacing them or whatever. Like I just really enjoy that, um, that aspect of the sport. Mm-hmm. And I'm part of Chosky too. That's one of the ways that we've connected that. And, um, of course, watching you obstacle racing through Fiji, that was super fun in the community setting and everything that's going on in the world right now and it's just a crazy time to be alive is it not (laughs) it is like did we ever think we'd be living through a global pandemic exactly (laughs) but i see you as thriving and i know that you know like me we're perfectly imperfect human beings thank goodness we're not saying that you know we're bulletproof by any means but what are some ways that you are coping with all these changes and how life is for the last year different than it was prior, different than it might be going forward? And what are some of those lessons that you have learned yourself yeah. that maybe could be helpful to others, whether it's athletes or just humans trying to do life? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been hard because like this is my... I guess this is my third year running for the North Face. Um, and like the first year was just like a ton of travel. I think I was on the road for like 37 weeks of the year or something. So like I was just never home. Mm-hmm. I think my longest stretch of being at home was 15 days. And you were a newlywed. Yeah. Uh, no, we had been married for two and a half years or okay. so at that point. And so like, um, but yeah, like my longest stretch home was like 15 days. It was just go, go, go. Like lots of just like long international travel and flights and being in different countries for a couple of weeks at a time. And so to go from that to then last year, um, basically like I was in Flagstaff for the first like eight weeks of the year and then came back home and it was like, Oh, well COVID like everything shut down. You can't travel. So now you're just going to be at home. Like, what do you do? And I just, I had no idea what to do at first. Um, So I was like, okay, like, what can you do to be adaptable? What can you do to stay relevant in the sport and just continue to grow your brand? So I was like, I'm going to run every street of Ottawa, Illinois. And (laughs) by doing that, we made it into a little contest. Like we put a spot tracker on me. And like, if you saw that I was coming down your street, if you took a picture of me and then posted it to like my athlete page or my personal page, then you'd be entered into a drawing for gift certificates from like local small businesses. Um, and in this, we were raising money for the small businesses that had been shut down due oh, to COVID. Awesome. So, uh, I ran, it was 205 miles and I started on like April 1st, finished on Easter Sunday and it took me 12 days and we ended up raising about $13,000, uh, wow. for small businesses. So then we bought gift certificates and we donated about 60% of them to the frontline healthcare workers and, uh, just hospital staff and all of that. And then the other 40% went to the small businesses that we couldn't um, actually like purchase gift certificates from, but we donated gift certificates to them. So that was really fun. And then it's like, well, okay, now what else do I do? Mm -hmm. Because like COVID wasn't going away anytime soon and it's still not gone. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I need to do something. Like I can't just be at home and be just bored, but Illinois shut down all of our trails during COVID. So like I couldn't even get on trail. And so like, it's like, okay, what am I going to do? It's like, you know what? I'm going to go after the fastest known time on the Ice Age Trail, which is 1,147 miles and basically covers the whole state of Wisconsin. 
And most people plan for this and they're like, you know, they'll take a year to plan for it and like get everything like super dialed in and make spreadsheets and like all this stuff. I was like, here's a quick spreadsheet that I made. And uh, we took about three weeks to just kind of go up and scout the trail a little bit. And then I was like, all right, let's go for it. Going. Yep. And it was really funny because like just with COVID, like hotels are shut down, campgrounds are shut down, grocery stores are shut, like so many different things are shut down in like northern Wisconsin that it made it just so challenging to even just do like some things that should have been super simple. Yes. Mm -hmm. And but for me, I was just like, great. I'm just going to keep on moving forward down this trail and I'll let my crew figure out the yes, rest please. of it. Yes, please. Yeah, you people just yep. sort that out, I was would like, you? this is why you're here. This is oh, your yeah. job now. Is like, Best crew I ever. gave you the spreadsheet, but like that went out the window on day like two. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was pretty awesome and it was fun. And we ended up raising over $30,000 for Feeding America and more money for the Ice Age Trail Alliance as well. Um, and also from this, the Ice Age Trail Alliance grew about 5,000 members. Whoa. Yeah. And Aware- like, just the awareness. Yep. And so like, they're just like, thank you for all that you've done for it. Like, this wow. is awesome. Um, and I'm like, you know, it's just, it's what I do. Like I adapt, yeah. I overcome and I just figure out something else to do because I just can't sit still. But you stayed grounded in purpose. So yeah. very clearly like, okay, this shit is going down, yeah. right? But I have a purpose. I'm a values purpose driven human being. So I'm going to continue moving in that direction and find things that yeah. I can do where I can have an impact and where I can still maintain my fitness and do all the things that I love to do, but for the greater good. Yeah. Cause like, you know, we didn't have to raise money for any of these right. things, but it's yeah. like, why not? Like I'm already yeah. going to be out there doing it. So like, let's make it into something that, mm-hmm. you know, makes it more valuable. And that also like in those like really rough moments of like being out there for, you know, 12 to 18 hours a day, sometimes 24 seven, it's like, you know, that actually makes it way more easy to just continue to move forward mm-hmm. when you're like, well, I can't let these people down. Like I'm raising all this money and I can't just stop now. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. So that's really, there's a big message there for others is I know a lot of people and, you know, you and I tend to know a lot of healthy, fit, active people who are engaged in racing or competing or doing something of that nature. That's a lifestyle choice for them. But because of all the changes in infrastructure going away or races and so forth, they've lost their drive or their motivation. Yeah. You've got to find it within. Yep. And actually, you needed to do that before COVID. Totally. Right? Mm-hmm. Or else, why are we doing the thing? I mean, totally. why are we doing the thing? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> some people are in it for the metal and the belt buckle or whatever, you know? And I'm like, that's cool. But like, how many medals do you need? And how many belt buckles do you need? I know. Like, I, they're amazing. I'm happy that we get them. But like, I, I don't do it for the belt the buckle or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I just do it because like, I want to experience it. I want to I want to know what it feels like. And I guess that goes back to like me being a kid. Like I did everything just cause I wanted to experience everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like even this past weekend when I ran <laughs> cold water rumble a hundred miler mm-hmm. and literally signed up for the race on, uh, <laughs> Thursday night. Um, and you the don't race advise your Saturday. athletes to do this. Of no, course, but I God, mean, you know, no. we're just saying like, like I would never tell my athletes to do it, but it was funny <laughs> Because I had to talk to my coach about it. And I was like, I called him on like Tuesday and I'm like, I think I'm going to run the 100 at cold water rather than the 50K. 
And he's like, you know, like you come up with some pretty stupid ideas sometimes. And he goes, this one may be like right up there with like your worst idea. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool. And he goes, if you can give me, you know, reasons why you think you should do this and you pitch it to me, he's like, give me three reasons and sell it to me. And he's like, I'll, I'll decide then. I was like, well, I think I've already decided that I'm doing it, but I was like, number one, UTMB points, Western States lottery ticket. And so I was like, I get my five points. I get my Western States lottery ticket. Like I'm good to go for the rest of this year and 2022 then check. And he goes, okay, that's fair. And then I was like, second, like I haven't run a hundred since 2018. Mm. And so I was like, I just feel like I need to do it because, uh, for me, like I enjoy running a hundred miles. Like it's fun. It will be okay. I'm like, I'm not trying to win this thing. I'm just going to go out. And I think that I can still finish in about 20 hours. And he's like, well, I guess it is a long training day, right? And I was like, perfect. Like, mm -hmm. that's reason number two. Mm -hmm. And then number three is like, I also just want to see like what my current fitness is. Cause like I hadn't been training a ton over the last few months just because of like I had COVID and like, I, I was almost scared to come back to training and racing after COVID yeah. because like I lost like my ability to run uphill for like six or seven weeks. Wow. And so at that point, like I had to, I was always hiking uphill. I was walking upstairs. Like mm. I would get winded just walking upstairs. And so I was like, you know, I'm a little bit scared of this. So I'm like, for me, it's more of just like a confidence thing being Absolutely. like, I can finish a hundred miles. I just had COVID not that long ago. So like, if I can do that, then like, what can't I do? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, those are three pretty solid reasons right there. He goes, okay, like you can go for it. And so I did, and I ran 20 hours and 28 minutes, which was my second fastest 100 mile finish ever. <laughs> and in the last 12 weeks before this, I'd only run 505 miles, which in a normal training cycle, that would be like four and a half weeks of training building up to like a 100 miler. Mm -hmm. So like for me, I was just like, hmm, okay. Like old man strength coming through. Old man strength. That's what I call it. Like I've been in this sport a while now. And so I just call it old man strength. You're still a very young man and you have so much ahead of you. It's very, very exciting to watch. And just, you know, I think in terms of just who you are in the world and just owning who you are. And I'm sure, you know, being comfortable in your own skin is a process. It's a journey. It's our goal for everybody in the world, irrelevant of who they are and what they're doing, whether they decide running's a thing or, you know, whatever you might be into. Yeah. Um, that's a big part of your message. I know that. I share that value with you 110%. It's a big reason we belong to Chasky Endurance Collective, totally. right? It's like that's what they're all about, the human beings in the space being their best selves. Absolutely. But you, you don't just say it. You do it. You know, you mentor it. and It's, it's all the la layers and levels of being that person and then that's what you expect from yourself. Therefore, that's what you convey to the world. What is that going to look like for you now? What are some aspirations, dreams? It doesn't have to be sport related, by the way. Yeah. There's a whole other human being besides the athlete in you. Totally. And I mean, I don't know. You could be pretty much doing anything based on your background. Yeah. What are you looking at for the next three to five? Uh, the next three to five, it's a lot of sport related stuff. Um, it's not going to be necessarily racing as more like FKTs. 
um, just because I want to go after the AT, the PCT, and the Continental Divide. Okay. Um, and there's a bigger plan with that, but those are probably my next three that I think I'll go after. Um, and basically, like, I just want to use that to raise money for different organizations, and whether that be, like, humanitarian or conservation stuff, whatever. Um, and just kind of, like... I think I'm going to get more into like the coaching and mentorship side of things. Awesome. Um, because like racing's fun. Like I, like, I don't know, like I think I learned at cold water that like, if I can finish a hundred miler on very little training, like for me anyway, that like, yes, training is very important and I still want to race at a high level, mm -hmm, but even mm -hmm. if I'm maybe not at the highest level all the time, that's okay. Because I think that, there's so much more that I can give rather than standing on a podium. Mm. And so like podiums are fun. Podiums are great. But like if yeah. I never saw another podium again, I'd be totally fine with that. I love that. And so uh, I don't know that sponsors necessarily want to hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. But I think that when they see like my bigger plan, they realize like, you know, like this kid doesn't have to be on the podium to still make a big impact. Well, yeah, to be clear, um, there's a lot of people that never make it anywhere near the podium and they're doing amazing things with their lives, with their sport, contributing to society in ginormous capacities. And we need that, right? We need the mentoring. We need the role models. We need the examples as great and exciting as it is to watch elites and pros and people of a high caliper race and eventually win and their story, their story is powerful. And as a society, we all sort of have gravitated towards watching that mm -hmm. on TV or otherwise, you know, now on socials. Um, but what about the other 99% of the humans out there? And we need mentors, role models, coaches. The, the more we can get that curated in all these little micro communities or macro communities, the more we're going to actually influence change. Yeah. So look at right now in America, we have this health crisis. It's like next level health crisis. Uh -huh. People that never thought about their health due to yep. COVID are now like, whoa, Yep. I just got a little, you know, gut check there or inequality. Yeah. You know, we have so many issues going on that are not new to any of us. Yeah. But, but now we're finally talking to, about it. Now we're, we're talking about it and we sure damn better charge down the path of doing the work at this moment in time. Yep. And then everything else you can think of. Yeah. Right. But I always looked at it as I just want to be part of like raising good humans, whether it was my own kids or kids I was mentoring or even adults or other women. I'm super yeah. passionate about girls and women getting them into the sport. Absolutely. How can I help be part of that? If you are doing the same thing with your life, that has so much more value, to be brutally honest to a sponsor, to a, any kind of collaboration, yeah. to your community and to the world. Yeah. So I hope that everybody <laughs> yeah. sees that. You totally. know? And I do think we're at that moment in time, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm just, I'm not a quiet person. Well, I am a very quiet person, like in general, but when it comes to just inequality and like all these different issues, like I'm very outspoken on them. Um, and I have no problem letting people know how I feel about it. And mm -hmm. so, um, and I think it's awesome with like, the North Face and Smart Wool and Koros, like all of those companies have just been like great, like keep on doing what you're doing, like please speak up. And they're like, hold us accountable as well. They're like, nice. you know, like if we're doing something that you don't like, like please let us know. And yeah. so I think that's Educate. super awesome. Yeah. 
educate. Yep. And so I think it's really awesome. And once again, like the North Face, like we're even pushing to have like 50-50 men and women on the team. Yes. And like that's super awesome because I think that we're like the first company that's really pushing that's for that. That's amazing. And it's just so awesome to see like the level of athletes that we're getting in and just like we we brought on so many strong women that like it's amazing. Yeah. Um, like I'm just I'm really excited for the direction the team is going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. So you see yourself doing more maybe educating, speaking on subject matters that you're passionate about, um, probably doing some more coaching. Yeah. Okay. And then of course still training and racing. Yeah. I'll absolutely train and race. And like, I think that now I'm getting a better sense of the balance for it. Mm -hmm. Um, like with ice age and eco challenge coming out, like they basically is like this three month period this summer where like, I was just so swamped that like, I I'm still answering emails from June because like I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, I will answer what I need to do for today. And then I'll go back and I'll answer like five that I've just missed or whatever. Yeah. And like, I'm just working on them. And it's just kind of funny. Cause like, I feel bad being like, so sorry for the late reply, but it's like, I mean, I just, I had no idea that ice age was going to make this big of an impact on people. Mm. And I just like, I wasn't expecting like my social media to grow or anything. Cause I mean, it's it, in my eyes is just the ice age trail. But like when I started, you know, like three days after the George Floyd incident and it started like an hour North of Minneapolis Ooh. and like all this stuff. And it's just like, Oh, like here I am going out for this FKT in what is a pretty conservative Northern Wisconsin area. And then, you know, it covers the rest of the state. But it's like, I'm doing this in the middle of what was basically a civil rights movement. Absolutely. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have a story here. Yeah. And like, I just didn't even realize it because I was like, June 1st, I'm starting this thing come hell or high water. Mm-hmm. And uh, it all came. But I was like, I'm still going. Good for you. And that sounds like, honestly, that's just how you live your life. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's who you are. Yeah. I really want to meet your parents. They're and super Tom, quiet. We're skydiving. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. My parents are super quiet. Like, are they? Yeah, like I'm an extroverted introvert, and my parents are definitely just introverts. Wow. And so it's hilarious mm. because, like, I think a lot of people are just like, "How did you raise this kid?" Right, right. <laughs> they have to be so proud of you. Absolutely. Yeah, so fun to watch and just be part of that and go, "We raised that human." <laughs> yep. Hell yes. Yep. Okay, well, we're going to wrap it up. This was fantastic. In closing, let's tell people how can they find you. And really, you're relatively busy, but how can they follow this journey as it continues to evolve? Yeah, so Instagram. I love Instagram. Uh, I'm Corey Woltering on Instagram. Uh, I have a blog that I don't really update. It's CoreyWoltering.com. Um, yeah, those are the best ways to follow me. You can find me on Facebook as well. You Um, have two Facebook pages. Yeah, I have an athlete page and a personal page. Uh, follow the athlete page, uh, just because I can't actually accept any more friends on my personal page at this point. Okay. Um, I feel good now. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, that's how you can definitely follow me. And, um, and my photographer, Kevin Youngblood, uh, he also kind of manages my athlete page a bit and, like when I'm racing, he'll put up updates on there and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's really fun. Okay. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for your time. This was fantastic. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. And we'll spend some time again soon, probably in the Chasky space. I think so. I don't know. All right. Thanks for your time. Yep. Appreciate it. Thank you for connecting with us for this episode of the Endurance Town USA Project. 
Discover more about today's guest, along with other great stories and video projects by visiting us online at EnduranceTownUSA.com. You can also follow us for updates on behind-the-scenes peaks at future episodes on Instagram at EnduranceTownUSA. You can also connect with our creator, host, and life leadership and business coach, Samantha Pruitt, at SamanthaPruitt.com or on Instagram at TheSamanthaPruitt. And lastly, you can follow me, Travis Ford, producer and marketing creative at RockHarborMarketing.com or Instagram at RockHarborMarketing. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time we go on an adventure to Endurancetown, USA. Bring it back.